We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Hey yo, welcome everybody to the Rotowire DFS podcast sponsored by FanDuel. I am your host, Joe Pizzabia, and of course it's Friday, which means we are going to break down the week five slate for you, and of course there's nobody better than my tag team partner in crime, Johnny McKechnie. What's up, McKex? How you doing? Uh, what's going on, man? Yo, this is... Uh... I love this time of year so much. Like we got playoff baseball during the day. We got football all weekend long. College football starting to get good. So like everything is tremendous right now. So I'm very excited for this weekend. I agree. October is the best month of sports. Plus the weather starting to cool off. I know you're in Wisconsin, which means that it's already cooled significantly since August. Uh, (laughs) But uh, it's just the best time of year. I'm with you, dude, 100%. So, yeah, I mean, baseball, football, you got basketball, you got hockey, you got everything. I mean, what more do you need except some wins in DFS? And we're going to break that down for you and uh, figure out how to get there to to cash like game playoffs and, and, and pay lines and where you want to be here. So let's get to it. Let's start with quarterback because obviously Aaron Rodgers is going to have so much chalk. We talk about it being October. He's going to look like Casper the Ghost. That's how chalky he's going to be at Dallas. And – I understand why. I don't know if I'm buying it. You know, usually I'm the guy on this podcast who says, well, it's chalk because it's right, so that doesn't mean it's a bad thing. But I'm, also, I'm a little worried about this one because Green Bay's been a little up and down. And mm-hmm. if there's one thing I've learned about Dallas and, and specifically Dak Prescott is he shows up when it counts. And I understand Dallas gives up a ton of yardage. I get that. But with the injuries at running back and the question marks there, the Devontae Adams at this point still a little bit of question there. What are your thoughts on Rodgers? Is he a cash game lock for you, or are you fading it off too a little bit? Um, I I think I'm I'm more sold on it maybe maybe than you are. Um, I would I wouldn't mind going for a lineup that that has him at 9500. Um, a little bit. This sort of sets up almost uh, 
exactly like last week's, if you remember, where, where Tom Brady was right, right. around 9,500 too. And then Matt Ryan, I think, was the second uh, highest quarterback at, at around 8,000. So uh, in this case, you know, it, you are going to have to make some sacrifices elsewhere in your lineup to, to make this work. And, uh, you know, if, if Rodgers doesn't have that full complement of weapons, maybe that, that scares some people off. But I think Rodgers can, you know, turn, you know, draw gold from pretty much anything. I mean, he can make a guy like Geronimo Allison look great if, if he gets enough snaps. So, like, I still think that Rodgers going against that, that Dallas secondary uh, that's been really bad. Uh, it, it gets tested. I mean, Carson Palmer looked really good against it, although I think we, we probably need to change our tune on Carson Palmer a little bit from what we saw in like week one or week two. Um, but still, I think that Aaron Rodgers is probably a, a cash game lock for me this week. Well, I think part of it for me is the price. The 9,500 is, you know, yes. that's really high. Plus the fact that there are, you know, there are some other options here that we will get to Carson Palmer included who I think you can fade from and still get two to three times value. It, you know, when you start to push that 9,500 range, it becomes difficult to get that return that you want. You really got to have a classic Aaron Rodgers game. And I think that's part of the reason why I'm a little concerned about it. And the other reason I'm concerned about it too, is that if 2017 has taught us anything, John, it's taught us every time we go into a week where we think this is a lock, it's been the exact opposite. Which brings me to the next point, right. which is quietly, very under the radar, I think Dak Prescott's had a very good season uh, in terms of fantasy. You look at him, and you're talking about a guy who's not that far off points-wise average from uh, Aaron Rodgers. We're talking a huge savings, almost $2,000 difference in pricing. And let's say that Aaron Rodgers does go off. You know, we saw in the playoffs last year that Dak Prescott, you know, shows up in big games and shows out. And if they're trying to catch him and they're going to be throwing the ball a lot too to try to play catch up with them or just, you know, the adrenaline of the big time matchup in the NFC, I think that Dak Prescott is a perfectly good cash game fade away from uh, Aaron Rodgers and allows you to put Lev Bell in the lineup too, who we'll get to in the next segment and spread that money around a little bit better. Yeah, no, I I can see that. I, I think I think we're on the same page as far as uh, how good Dak has been uh, to this point. And then you know you you look at the fact that this is going to be at home. Uh, that always helps. And then uh, Green Bay's secondary uh, pretty pretty much ranks middle of the pack across the board. Pretty much any way you slice it. Um, so it's not like he's going against uh, a, cu- a couple lockdown corners where you have to like worry about Des Bryant getting open or something. Uh, it's not really that kind of scenario. So. Um, this this uh, defensively this sets up well for for Prescott to to succeed, um, but for like a hundred dollars less, I mean, what what would you make of like Stafford at home against Carolina or or Carson Wentz uh, at home going against Arizona? Well, I'm looking at the Carolina Detroit game, and I'm thinking that's going to be a tight, a low scoring one. I I really do. That Detroit defense is better than people give it credit for. I think Carolina's defense also good. I don't look for all of a sudden that carryover where Cam Newton figures it out and it just carries over and it's great. I think it was a, a more of a one-off than it is uh, what you look for going forward. And the rest of these guys, you know, you got Wilson and Roethlisberger. Roethlisberger finally at home, but it's against the Jacksonville Jaguars defense that's been the best in the league against the pass. So that's a tough sell. Yep. It's, it's a weird week at quarterback until you get to Prescott, until you get to, uh, as you continue to go down there, we mentioned Carson Palmer. That's a really good matchup against Philly. The trouble is, I don't know who you pair him with. My guess would be Ellington. I think Andre Ellington's probably your best in terms of volume, whereas the other wide receivers are all kind of sporadic volume. And then you got Alex Smith, who nobody wants to talk about. But 
I understand he's on the road. I understand it's at Houston. But at the same time, Alex Smith has gone at least two times value every single week and three times value two of the four. So can you make a case for Alex Smith here being another one who's grossly underappreciated and undervalued so far? Yeah, he's definitely not being talked enough about uh, from a fantasy aspect. Um, but for, for this particular week, I, I'm a little bit worried about using him. Um, I don't love the Kansas City offensive line. And I think that, you know, uh, Houston, what they have up front, uh, you know, with Clowney and, and Watt coming off the edge, I think that's going to be an issue uh, for Smith. So I'm not looking at, at a ton of uh, production out of Smith uh, this week per se. I mean, do I think that he can hit two times value from 7,400? Yes, I do. I do. Um, but I'm probably just trying to go elsewhere because I think that the ceiling is capped a little bit uh, by how tough that matchup is. Now we saw the ceiling of his counterpart in this game, Deshaun Watson, just last week too, put up 34 points. Uh, a huge, huge outing for him. And before that, he threw for 300 against New England. So between the fact that he's running, you know, somewhere around 35 yards a game, he's averaging. And then passing-wise, the last two games, he's averaging around 290. Now, I don't know if you can expect that every week. But as good as the Chiefs have been, they have given up a fair amount of yardage. In fact, 27th against the pass this year. So is Deshaun Watson another guy, too, that you can get involved in? I'm telling you, I think the 74 to 8K range of quarterbacks is kind of where you want to live. It's just a matter of picking the right one. I don't know how many wrong answers there there are this week, but is Deshaun Watson a right one? Um, I think so. Um, <clears throat> obviously, you, you got to consider – He had all choked up and getting with... emotional here. Is that what <laughs> yes. Deshaun Watson – It's such a feel-good I mean, rookie story. Is that what it is? I'm a, I've, been a, I've been a Watson guy since like his first uh, college game. I was there. I was, uh, I was at uh, the Georgia game for that, but uh, – you, he comes out and you could tell he was just like a, a just a completely diff, cut from a different cloth. But uh, as a point, uh, I do think that he's going to be uh, fine this week. I think that that uh, Chiefs secondary now that Eric Berry's out, um, as long as he avoids Marcus Peters, which uh, I imagine uh, Houston will do everything in its power to kind of make him uh, do that. Um, I, th- I think that guys like Will Fuller last week showed that showed that they're ready to contribute. I think this whole offense has a has a big jolt as a result of Watson being back. I mean, I mean, we saw even Lamar Miller be good as a result of, <laughs> of, of Watson, just Watson's presence now. So um, I think that uh, this is a fine matchup for him. I, I would guess, you know, if we had to coin flip, but I would say that Watson outscores Smith this week per se. Yeah, I would probably agree there. So we like Carson Palmer against the Eagles. We like Watson. You can make a case contrarian for Alex Smith if you want to do that in GPP, maybe get some ownership your way. Uh, we could also make a really good case contrarian-wise for Dak Prescott. A lot of good contrarian plays at quarterback this week. And, of course, if you want to go chalk with Rodgers, it's not wrong. I'm just saying it's going to be a little bit tougher to, to spread that out there, especially right. on the bye week because you're missing a lot of – you know, mid-tier running backs and wide receivers that you normally would be in play. And now once we get to the bye weeks, things are going to change week to week, and you're going to have to really differentiate when you want to go chalk and when you don't. All right, let's go over to the running backs now. Le'Veon Bell is chalk this week, uh, going against the Jaguars defense, who, although they're great against the pass, they are last against the rush. And I absolutely love Lev Bell at home. I will pay the 9500 in cash games. I will do it. I feel good about it. Uh, do you feel as good as I feel? Are you feeling the vibe? Because I'm sending it out there. Are you going to ring my bell? 
All right, Peter Frampton over here. Uh, let's see. I, <laughs> you know, how many 20-something-year-olds will, will make a Peter Frampton reference? There you go. There you go. Well done. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it, it makes complete sense. I mean, you, you really do have to go into the, into the low 7,000s at quarterback probably to, to make this work properly. Uh, but, yeah, Bell, I mean, everything – Everything lines up perfectly. I mean, I'm looking at Football Outsiders or DVOA. It, it really is jarring to see Jacksonville literally number one against the pass and dead last against the run, like you said. But to, to kind of shield myself here uh, with what you let off the show with, what we know and what all makes sense seems to have not happened at all uh, this year. So, like, th- this could be one where I fade it because it makes so much sense. Uh, and then if, if Bell goes for, you know, under 20 points or something – uh, then you know you're kind of burned for for what you paid for him. All right, Kareem Hunt is underneath him at 500 hours less, and then Ezekiel Elliott 89. Now I'm good with having a lineup that's got Elliott, Prescott, and Des Bryant, and just go full on Cowboys stack. I'm good with that because I think uh, that Cowboys offense is a little due to really you know just have an explosive day, and, and it's at home in their building. And I, I just I just feel like Dak is that kind of quarterback. And I'm believe me, I'm farthest from a Cowboy fan. I hate the Cowboys. <laughs> but I recognize Dak Prescott is got that thing. He's got that intangible quality where the stage gets big, and he shows up for it. And I like that about him. You got Todd Gurley at 7,800 at home against the Seattle Seahawks. Now, Gurley's been outstanding. Uh, he's been a guy that I was talking about in season long, all off season to go back to the well, forget last year. He's got a yep. good young offensive minded coach. Uh, we're talking a guy so far this year who, I mean, literally he seems to keep getting better game after game. So is this a spot where he runs into a brick wall with the Seattle defense or is this one where he just runs right through the wall? No, he's going to run through the wall. I, I think narrative and, and, you know, the track record always kind of makes you think twice when you're using someone against Seattle, particularly in, in DFS purposes. But this is one where, where that Seattle defense against the run, uh, not a whole lot better than what Jacksonville's has. Uh, they're, they're 30th in DVOA, and you're, you're getting girly for what, like uh, 1,700 less or, or something like that oh, yeah. uh, than Bell. So, like, that's huge savings right there. And I just think that Gurley, um, floor-wise, he's such an integral part of that offense. You look at, uh, like, the Rams' kind of target numbers, he actually leads the team in targets. So, like, you know, you're getting that, that half-point boost uh, on FanDuel scoring for, for his receptions. And, I mean, that, that there's just a lot to like there. And I think that against the run, it's alone, uh, he's going to be able to pick up chunk yardage regularly. And, you know, once they get down into the red zone, He's obviously the guy. Um, so I think that, that Gurley is, is the best combination of both uh, ceiling and uh, value this week at running back, personally. Now, Leonard Fournette at 7,600 is an intriguing one as well because the matchup's pretty good against Pittsburgh, plus Marquise Lee is going to be out for this one, uh, which to me, one less weapon for them on the passing side means a little bit more Fournette. Now, if you throw out the Baltimore game in England where the script completely just you know went bananas there in that one and they were, you know, just throw it up all over the place on Baltimore. You look at the rest of what he's done so far, it's been pretty consistent, you know, and, and in terms of carries too, you know, it's nice to see him get back with that 24 mark last week against the Jets. Uh, and also he had 59 receiving yards as well. So he's very active on both ends. In the full PPR, I think you got to love Fournette, but on the half PPR and FanDuel, what are your thoughts on him this week? Is that another guy that if you want to have multiple lineups, you got Gurley in one, would Fournette be a nice kind of, uh, differentiator and putting some as well, kind of keep the same budget together and just kind of pivot off some of the shares of uh, Todd Gurley for some shares of Fournette instead. Yeah, I, d- I do think that that 
Gurley, you know, with, with what I was saying, probably is going to be relatively highly owned, um, probably more so than like a LaShawn McCoy or something in that same neighborhood. But yeah, Fournette, uh, I'd have no problem pivoting to him. Uh, you know, Fournette's a guy that uh, this guy in the office who I trust uh, with his tape analysis more than pretty much anyone else that I work with, uh, Mario, uh, you know, he's been very impressed with Fournette. Um, he was impressed with what he was able to do last week with, with uh, you know, just sort of his agility, uh, his playmaking ability. So I think that Fournette uh, going against Pittsburgh's uh, run defense that got gashed a few times last week. Baltimore didn't really stick to the run, but uh, when it did, um, I thought that Alex Collins was kind of running all over them. So, I mean, Fournette, obviously a ton better than Alex Collins. Uh, and I, I think you bring up the good points in terms of the team context and the opportunity. I think Fournette's gonna, Fournette is going to be a nice play this week as well. I mean, I, I might even try to make a lineup with Gurley and Fournette, honestly. Now, Melvin Gordon said he's frustrated because he's not getting the ball as much as he used to. And I want the ball more. And if Melvin Gordon wants the ball more, I'm sure we're all for it. I'd like to see him get the ball more. I, I think that at 7,100. It'd be cool if you did. It would be cool, man. <laughs> and here we are at 7,100. It's a price where I'm intrigued enough. The problem is for just a couple hundred dollars more, I get a much better floor. And I don't know if the ceiling of Gordon, because he is still very touchdown dependent type running back, is enough to get me involved. So I think Gordon this week is more harm than good. I'm actually going to advise people to stay away from Gordon. I think he will have a better week. I think he will return value, but the trouble is, even if he does, he lacks the upside of a girly, of a four net, to really have a breakaway 30-point game. If he does, that's terrific. If he ends up getting the end zone two or three times, that's fine, but I don't think it's worth the risk this particular week. How about you, John? Yeah, he's been, he's been really frustrating to this point because really, if you think about it and you think about that backfield, there's really not a whole lot um, else, to, else for him to compete with and yet he's still kind of been disappointing overall as yards per carry had just been uh, you know, a little bit low uh, compared to what you'd want. So even going against a Giants defense that uh, has been banged up, especially in the linebacking core, and th- this really should look like a good matchup for Gordon. I, I have to agree with you, man. Like It's just hard to justify using him uh, right now considering how he's been to this point in the season. He just doesn't look the same, and it doesn't look like that uh, Chargers offensive line is really anywhere closer to, to becoming a competent uh, unit for him in front. So uh, I'm off of Gordon as well. I think that's a good call. Now, Bilal Powell coming off a huge game. I understand a lot of it was on one play, but that's what you want. You want playmakers. Oh, that one play was glorious, though. It was glorious. Oh. It was Bobby Roode <laughs> so glorious. Pumped. That's how glorious it was. <laughs> and you'll want it to be glorious. But that, I mean, you know, people want to bitch about that and say, well, it was all one play. Well, what's the point? Like, good. Where like, was your all... guy's one play? Huh? Yeah, where's exactly? Thank you. So, so that's a good thing. Having guys who are athletic and can make plays and can make something out of nothing. That's exactly what I'm looking for. Now I think it will carry over this week against the Browns. I am, I'm pretty confident, although not to a huge extent because the Browns front is better than people give it credit for. Plus miles Garrett's going to be back finally this week. Um, but I, I am starting a GoFundMe page for a cruise for Matt Forte to go on. Um, <laughs> if you'd like to donate, you go over to Joe Pisa PS 17. I'll tweet the link. And, um, you know, we could send him on a cruise, which would be awesome. And uh, that way we don't have to worry about Matt Forte anymore and just more Bilal Powell. As you continue to go down here, I think Marshawn Lynch is a huge trap. I'm still, still waiting for the definitive EJ Manuel news because now Carr was chirping about how I feel good and I might be a game-time decision. Like, bro, you, you, got a, you got a fractured spine. Like, maybe chill yeah. out for a week. And, and Tony Romo should call him and say, hey, hey dude, don't do it. <laughs> 
because he called that injury like just as it happened. He's like, oh yeah, he caught that knee in the lower back. That's a that's going to be an issue. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Romo Romo even called the time the time at which uh, Winston was going to spike the ball last night. Like, I think he's a wizard. I'm pretty he sure. is. He and you know what? It's it's the first time I've really gotten to listen to him because I'm usually doing something else when the game mm-hmm. is on. But you know, he has an energy that's infectious. Like he's really excited to be there, which is awesome. It's kind of like a John Madden-ish kind of thing where he's just really, you're like excited Whoa. to listen to him. Yeah. Like he's into it. Like he's smiling. He's like, this is great. We're watching football. And it's, it's terrific. Um, Mixon was our guy last week. I still say Mixon eventually gets right, but right now yes. I, I think it's just kind of wait. Uh, I think Mixon to your point, uh, really that, that shows uh, everyone that, that, that is like, instantly plugging Bilal Powell into their lineup to to maybe think twice because like you said Mixon uh didn't do didn't get quite as much going as we wanted last week and I think that 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 has a lot to do with Cleveland's uh run defense and and let's go back in a couple weeks too Le'Veon Bell another one that got shut down so everybody keeps getting shut down I I think Bilal Powell is the one you stay away from I really do I don't don't think he's worth the discount Blunt, I expect to be useful. I would stay completely away from the Green Bay running backs. I don't care if it's Williams. I don't care if it's Jones. Uh, Alex Collins is intriguing against Oakland at 57. I think it's a tournament play only, and he's got to not fumble the ball. But Andre Ellington's the other one I want to get to. Now, in the half PPR, maybe it's slightly less intriguing, but uh, I'm looking at this guy, and I think that he's going to get more rushing attempts this week. I think you're going to see him. I mean, last week he had 14 targets. The week before that, eight. I mean, yards are yards, so I really don't care where they're coming from. I think Ellington is the guy that if I have a Palmer lineup, that that's my pairing. What do you say? Uh, yeah, you've kind of changed my mind on, on how I would, how I would approach that uh, Arizona offense because initially, well, how were you, you know, approaching it ahead? Yeah, I'm curious. Uh, I w- it would have just been Fitz, it just like uh, the for- force feeding of Larry Fitzgerald. Uh, you know, because he has so many targets. Uh, you know, he's third in the league, uh, 41 targets on the season. So that's probably the way that I would have gone. But uh, when you factor in like that, you know, just that uh, Ellington seems to be that guy out of the Arizona backfield now that the dust has settled a little bit from the David Johnson injury. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of with you there. I think that at, at 5,400, um, I, I think well, there's your running have, back for, for an Aaron Rodgers lineup. I'm telling you right now, like that's it. There you go. Yeah, that's a good way of, of putting it. Um, do you think um, at all anywhere lower than that uh, – a guy that was kind of a star last week, Elijah McGuire. Again, it's a Jets running back here. So you are you are you? I would just give the PSA it's the Browns. It's yeah, the Browns. just warn the people. I'm warning them. That's the Browns, and and exactly. I, and you know everyone's gonna see the Browns and sees the record. But you know what? The Browns' record is the Browns' record because Deshaun Kaiser is a turnover machine. You put yeah. a quarter in him and you get a pick. <laughs> it's crazy, and I think that's kind of the problem I have with right now is why Crowell sucks. Everyone wants to know why Crowell sucks this year. Well, if he had a couple of touchdowns, you wouldn't be bitching as much in season right. long. You would look at it and say, well, he's got a couple of touchdowns. So, you know, that 14 for 44 looks much better with a touchdown attached to it and that's extra six points. But they're unable to get into the red zone and convert. Why? Because their drives keep getting stopped. Why? Because he keeps throwing picks. He's got eight interceptions already and we're only four weeks into the season. That's not good. And that's exactly the reason why Crowell has been so such a down. And, and if Kessler takes over, I think that changes dramatically. Uh, not that Kessler is a world beater at quarterback. He's not Joe Montana or anything, but I think that's the difference. I'll tell you the guy I have my eye on, but I don't trust Ben McAdoo. This is another one of those, if you do a multi-entry plays, it's Wayne Gallman because uh. he's 5,200. He's going against the 31st ranked rush defense. 
I think that the Chargers have just folded up the tent. The injuries, the lack of home field advantage there that they had had, like it's just it's I think it's a bummer. They've moved. The team is just kind of imploding on itself. Nobody showed up for the games. I think they're traveling to New York across the country. The Giants almost won last week. Perkins has been banged up. Dark Wall banged up. He already has twice as many, you know, rushing yard average as those guys. And to me, Gallman is the guy. Like, give him a shot. Give him 18, 20 carries. See what happens because he put up 12 last week with limited touches. He's the answer. The problem is I don't trust McAdoo, so it would have to be a situation where I'm playing multiple lineups to get him in there. But there's another guy at 5,200 that I would say, all right, there's your Aaron Rodgers or Lev Bell pairing. Yeah, I think, you know, in the in the DFS context, then then I'm fine with Gallman, but like I'm not I'm not I haven't been in on him as sort of like the the long term answer for that Giants backfield. Like I don't think that we're going to see a ton of production out of that backfield, regardless of who's back there. Um, and Gallman is a guy that coming out of college, like it, he was pretty productive at Clemson, but like his athletic testing at the combine, nothing that was like a world beater, um, like shockingly low, like verticals and, and like jumping metrics. Uh, so I'm, I'm not like over the moon on this Wayne Gallman guy, but um, against the Chargers for 5,200, when you know he's going to get uh, the opportunities and opportunities really is kind of the name of the game for this. Uh, I think it's fine to fire him up. I'm just not fired up about him uh, for no. season long, but well, for, you know for what? DFS, it works. I'll say this, you know, especially DFS wise, give him – you know, give him the repeat of last week, that's twice value. You know what I mean? Like, he doesn't have to do much more than he did last week, and you're already there. And if you throw in a touchdown as well, all of a sudden – and the matchup is really good. And that's the thing I keep looking at. Like, the matchup plays where you should run the ball a little bit more and start to diversify the offense a little bit more. But Ben McAdoo continues to look confused like the guy at Home Depot who has no idea where anything else is except the one aisle he works in and has no idea how to help you. <laughs> that is Ben McAdoo. Can, where are wrenches? Uh, I don't know. Oh, you got to ask Charlie about wrenches. I work in aisle six. I have no idea. <laughs> I'm, I'm a paint guy. What can uh, I say? I work in paint. Uh, sorry. Uh, yeah, Ted, do you know anything about wrenches? Uh, sorry, I can't help you. I have this vest. I do have this vest that I'm wearing. Uh, but, yeah, that's, that's Ben McAdoo. And a fair and no, bit of motor oil in his hair. <laughs> And no, Gallman's not the long-term answer, but he's the long—he's the long-term answer in the short term. If that makes sense, it, for the yeah, Giants, no, right? I, I get it. Yeah, like it seems like he's going to be at least the guy for at least this week. They're going to see what they got in him. All right, wide receivers: Odell Beckham at the top of the board at eighty-nine. He's dealing with a finger issue from pointing at himself and saying, "Hey, guys, look at me. I'm Odell Beckham." Uh, Antonio <laughs> Brown coming off his worst game of the year, well, actually, his career. But I expect him to bounce back. Now, I understand it's Jacksonville, but it's Roethlisberger at home. I've gone through the numbers on this podcast. Don't make me do it again. The last three years, we're talking about – if you don't believe me, just go look at the game log. Go look at the splits on him from 2016-15 this year. It's, it's atrocious. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's good at home. I don't care how good Jacksonville is. I expect Brown to still be worth it. But 8600 for $200 less. I'll still take Jordy Nelson over Brown this particular week. Uh, then you got A.J. Green. I talked about Des Bryant. I think Bryant is in play this week, but I love DeAndre Hopkins at 77. The target volume, he's got double-digit targets in three of his first four games of the season. I think Hopkins is back, and he's back in a spot, John, where the price is still yet to catch up to him, where he's a wide receiver one in wide receiver 1A pricing, and I'm all in on Hopkins. What say you? Oh, yeah, that, that's a great point. Like it, I'm not totally – uh, familiar with whether uh, Kansas City they just have P 
Peters locked down one side of the field or if they have him shadow um, the, the other team's number one. But if they, if they just have him on one half of the field and Hopkins doesn't have to go against him every snap, then like this is a bit, that's a very good sign because uh, whoever plays the second corner uh, for Kansas City hasn't done a particularly good job this year. Um, you know, and that that, that secondary could have gotten burned for, an, for another touchdown last week um, had Josh Doxson been able to hold on to that ball there. Um, so I don't think that top to bottom this is a great – uh, Kansas City secondary and like you like you said you know Hopkins is that that receiver one in terms of uh, where, how he's treated in that offense and uh, right now he does lead the entire league in targets with 49 uh, through four games so I mean it's it's hard to argue uh, going against him uh, this week when, when he has a matchup like this uh, on a Sunday night. Now, T.Y. Hilton's at 7,300, and I'm hearing a lot of T.Y. Hilton noise based off that big game he had against Cleveland a couple weeks ago. Now, I know they're at home. I know it's San Francisco. 7,300, I can kind of get interested. Now, the problem is it's got to be a real particular scenario. It's not a cash game play. I don't think I don't think I feel that comfortable. I think it's a tournament play, but for $400 more, I'd rather have Hopkins for sure. Can you get behind T.Y. in any of these lineups that you want to do this week, or is that just wishful thinking here? No, I think I can actually because I think Jacoby Brissett. I mean, despite what the box score will tell you, I think he looks moderately encouraging um, for you know moving forward. And I think that that Hilton is such a huge part of that passing offense. And obviously now he doesn't have to face off against like a Richard Sherman up in Seattle. You know, much easier uh, game context here being at home against the 49ers. Um, and I think that this is a, this kind of looks like a tier that's going to get glossed over. Um, you know, like your, your Tyreek Hill at 74, Doug Baldwin at 73, who also didn't do a whole lot last week. Um, so Hilton kind of does stand out. Like, you know, it's easy to gloss over this, this tier, like I was saying. And I think Crabtree, I'm off of him uh, as well this week, provided that EJ Manuel is going to be the Raiders quarterback. Uh, so Hilton kind of, it, it's a nice way to differentiate yourself, I would say. Yeah, Garcon's an interesting one as well because you've got another guy with the target volume so high. Obviously, a much better matchup this week. The Indianapolis Colts secondary is dreadful and hurt. So Garcon's a guy that I would be perfectly fine with as well if you want to kind of go the oppo on that and save some money. Now, let's talk about Larry Fitzgerald because he was a guy we mentioned earlier. And here's my argument against Fitz, okay? okay. He's only gone twice his salary once this year. And the one game he did it, it was against Dallas in that you know crazy one where he had 15 targets and caught 13 of them. Mm-hmm. So it took that kind of game. Outside of that, you have to keep in mind, too, the, the touchdown he scored was an overtime last week. Yep. Just four for 32 with yeah, the touchdown. Yeah, really pulled it out of the fire. He pulled it that out of the fire. Close. That was going to be another week that was looking a lot more like the game against Indianapolis where he just put up three points. I don't think, although the targets are there, it's October which means it's harvest season, which means Larry Fitzgerald officially turns into a pumpkin every time (laughs) this time of year. And I'm thinking right now, that's why Ellington to me is the safer play because Ellington just on volume, I think is an almost automatic two times guy. Whereas Fitzgerald at 6,700, even it's, it's almost like that. It's like a trap. It's basically like the wolf in sheep's clothing where you look at it and you go, Oh, it's Fitzgerald at 6,700. But if you look at the game log, although the targets have been there, the volume, the opportunity, the return hasn't been there yet. And that's why I'm a little afraid this week. Yeah, I think those are, those are all very legitimate concerns. Um, <clears throat> really, my, my only counter is, it, it, and it's not much of one, it, like I think that he is going to see plenty of volume. But like you said, what's he going to do with it? Um, you know, th- this Philadelphia secondary, I don't think is particularly good. So that, that certainly helps uh, Fitzgerald's case. But like, 
you know, it, this could be one of those ones where he catches 10 passes, but it only goes for you know, 80 some odd yards, you know? So um, I, I don't, I don't really foresee that explosive day. I, I see high opportunity, but like low output, I think is kind of the best way to put it. I don't think he's going to be a dud by any means. I, I imagine he at least gets you uh, into double digit points, but uh, you know, is he going to be a guy that's in a lot of winning lineups? Probably not. All right. Well, Fuller is going to be probably popular this week coming off a big toe touchdown performance, but let's not forget what Will Fuller is, everybody. It's like Will Fuller, it's Kenny Galladay, it's Tyreek Hill. These are guys, you throw a dart, you hope that they have a big return. The price is right, but I'm telling you right now, I don't feel good about it. He's not the guy that I want to pair with Watson. I mean, if you want to go the tournament way, that's fine. You know, it took two touchdowns for him to give you the value he gave you last week. So, Let's not also forget Will Fuller's notorious dropper. He makes Amari Cooper look like Julian Edelman. All right, let's talk about Martavis. Oh, I, and I want, like yeah, that. I want to say uh, <laughs> I'm glad, glad you're getting there. I'm on fire. I'm feisty today. It's feisty <laughs> Friday. I, I'm a little irritated. I didn't sleep well, but my Pats did win, so I guess Good. I should be in a yeah. better mood. Yeah, I don't know. Rossy Joe oh, over frisky, here. So. Frisky Friday with Joe and John. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. But yeah, to, to your point, um, Fuller is a notorious dropper. I never uh, mind uh, making a little bit of fun of Notre Dame players. Uh, so that, yeah, with you there. <laughs> um, so so when, you're, when you're looking at the slate, 5700 so same price for Martavis, who, um, you know, there, there's a pretty popular you know, gif or, or cut up uh, kind of floating around the, the film Twitter uh, stratosphere of, of Bryant absolutely dusting his coverage last week against uh, Baltimore, uh, but Roethlisberger just couldn't get it there. So this isn't a Martavis Bryant. It's, er, this isn't a Martavis problem. It's a Roethlisberger problem. But Roethlisberger, like you said, when he's at home, he seems to at least be competent. Like the, the splits are that extreme. So Martavis being down at 5,700 when he's, when he's really on the precipice of a, of a huge breakout kind of game, um, and especially with with the attention that uh, will be paid to AJ uh, or uh, Antonio Brown, I love Martavis Bryant this week at fifty seven hundred. And look, the one home game they've played this year, what did Martavis Bryant do? Well, he got three for ninety one and a touchdown, and there was a defensive uh, holding that didn't get called. Where he, who would have had another touchdown probably and mm-hmm. gone well over ninety uh, as well. Continuing to go down this grouping, looking for some dart throws. And some guys who can might return value. You got Robbie Anderson against Cleveland. I think he's slightly in play. Uh, unfortunately, our Travis Benjamin did not materialize. It ended up going to Williams. We were right. We just had the wrong guy, unfortunately. But the theory was right there. So mm-hmm. at least we can sleep sort of well there. Uh, I don't like anybody on the Cleveland side. Don't give me Higgins. Don't give me Ricardo. I don't want to hear any of these names. Stop. Just stop. <laughs> um, I know Allison will be an interesting one too, Geronimo, if. Uh, of course, Adams can't go. I actually think he's a better fit in the role replacing him than he is replacing Cobb. So that's something at 46. If you want to take a shot there, you certainly can. There's enough balls to go around. I don't think there's anybody else here worthy. I mean, you take a dart throw on one of the Brown boys for uh, the Cardinals, Jerron or John or... Um, you know, both we we know who both those guys are. They're, they're both uh, guys with game-breaking speed, but, uh, you know... Not, production that's not particularly reliable and you know if you throw in another game in which uh Andre Ellington is seeing double digit targets in addition to what Fitzgerald's going to get like I don't I don't know if there's going to be enough to go around beyond that um to really safely uh go with either uh John or Jerron Brown this week all right over two and a half million players have won cash prizes playing on FanDuel to take advantage of our special offer for new users Sign up today at fanduel.com slash rotowire and you'll get a free six-month rotowire subscription plus 
a free entry into the NFL Sunday Million, which offers more than $1 million in cash prizes. With your first deposit on FanDuel, just visit FanDuel.com slash Rotowire, void where prohibited. Let's talk about tight end. Travis Kelsey coming off a breakout game last week. Uh, that was easy to call. That was one I think yep. we talked about, too. It was just obvious. He's not going to, you know, when you're coming off a game with one catch, everybody's going to sit back in the film room and go, okay, we can't have that happen. <laughs> they think they realize where he's going to go back. Now, the trouble is, I don't know how reliable you can get with him with these touchdowns. He's already got two, which is already halfway to <laughs> as many as last year or mm-hmm. ever that he's had. So maybe this is a better version of Kelsey. At 7K, I'm willing to pay to find out. Worst case, it's a 14-point today. Best case, it's a 20. I think that's kind of where I sit with him, and I think that that makes Kelsey okay at 7K. That makes him a good price, actually. Yeah, I think that, yeah, the fact that he's the top guy on the board, uh, obviously with Gronkowski having already had his game go and he didn't play. Um, yeah, Kelsey, Kelsey for, for being the number one tight end uh, uh, this week, I really like that price a lot. And like you said, um, you know, this is a this is a Houston secondary that probably uh, is a little bit worse for wear than it was a year ago. Um, and I think that uh, Kelsey did have that breakout game, like you were saying, uh, that he's going to get fed plenty. I see, I see a ton of targets and like, you know, even though, or even though he's going to see a ton of targets, it's not like he really needs them, in my opinion. Like, as long as Alex Smith gets the ball in his vicinity, he's going to go get it. Um, so, yeah, Kelsey's really just unbelievable to watch. And uh, if you can fit him in 7K, like, that's awesome. But I think Ertz, for 400 less, also, if you're, like, pinched up against the cap, you need to make a call there. Uh, oh, Ertz is also move. totally fine. You're right. It's an easy one because the Arizona secondary is going to lock down you know, Jeffrey's going to be locked off with Peterson. And I think that's going to basically free up Ertz all over. In fact, I wouldn't be shocked if Ertz is the, finishes as the number one tight end this week in terms of points, especially with yeah, Brock. It, I mean, if week. there's a jump ball and it's, and it's Ertz versus like, a, you know, a, a guy in Tyron Matthew, who's, he's, you know, he's good, but he's, you know, so much physically smaller than Ertz. Like, it, you know, there, it's a complete mismatch. Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. And as you go down there, you got such, you know, if Mariota is still on the fence here about, you know, whether or not he's going to play, it's looking good, but I don't know how we can, you know, really take that into account. Jimmy Graham's been terrible this year. Clay's been very good. Uh, 57. I can't get you off Clay. I can't say no. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, at this point, you just have to keep looking around and going, okay. I mean, he's just a lock. Now, Tyler Croft is the one people are on the fence about. I'm on the Tyler Croft side. I think that he fills that hole. People say, well, that's just because it was last week against Cleveland. I say it's because he fits exactly what Tyler Eifert was, which is a guy who can go in there, catch the ball in the red zone, and that's all he has to do to be a tight end one. The fantasy community at large is all up on Austin Safarian Jenkins' Kool-Aid this week. How about you? Are you drinking the Kool-Aid? Uh, yes, re- really, um, you know, and you see it, 5,500 for both these guys, two guys that are that are definitely uh, really trendy right now. And uh, yeah, Croft was just a total boss last week. And I, I think I was saying that he, talent-wise, he's not that much worse than Eifert. And, you know, with the availability there and, and how bad uh, Cleveland's secondary is against uh, against tight ends. And I think Safarian Jenkins makes a ton of sense. I, it's just one of those things where, like, you got to know that you're not – uh, the smartest guy in the room for picking him this week because a lot of people are going to be owning him uh, at 5,500. But I think it's going to be worth it. it, it like you're saying, like sometimes the chalk is the right answer. Um, I think that uh, for tournaments, um, Safarian Jenkins would be like that chalky one that that I think uh, ends up paying off for everybody that had him. 
Well, I'm going to go on the other way, and you were a gentleman and a scholar, McKechnie, but I'm going to go the other way here. I feel like all I keep hearing is Austin Severian Jenkins, and it's 2017, which means everybody who looks at the paper and makes good analysis, you might as well just light it on fire. <laughs> and I'm telling you right now, Austin Severian Jenkins at 5,500, even if he returns two times value, like he's got to work hard to get to two times value right now for me. I'd rather take my chances with Witten. I'd rather take my chances, even potentially. I don't like him. I'm not a fan. But I even think Evan Ingram's a guy that I think is going to be a, a pivot off him. And on the other side of that game, too, Hunter Henry, the Giants cannot cover a tight end. Now, whether you want to try to throw a dart with Gates, that's fine. I think Henry would be the safer one. I honestly do. I also think he has more touchdown upside at this point in his career than Gates. So yeah. Henry at 52 to me is a lock. Just give me the Giants, whoever the tight end is. That's where I want to go. And you can, you can make a case as well uh, for even Ebron in this one is, uh, also. I, I think there's a couple guys you can go to. I'm staying away. I will own zero shares of Austin Severian Jenkins. We'll see if I'm right or John's right when we come back and recruit next week. Um, so far, it's been fun, though. We've, we've done the bonus uh, yep, and question. I, yep, and I got, I got screwed last week. I was yeah, mad about it. But, but, um, <laughs> What, one la- you got one immediately last- screwed. It was screwed like we finished the podcast and then more news came out and you're like, damn it. It's like, oh, oh Brandon Williams is out. Okay, that's that's not going to end well. Um, so, uh, yeah, we'll we'll get to another one of those bonus ones here in a second. But I did want to want to touch on uh, Martellus Bennett. He's a guy that you know he's priced under Safarian Jenkins and Croft, and he actually led the Packers in targets last week. I think that's you know something to at least consider. You know, he's got. 28 targets on the year. Uh, that's the same amount as Devontae Adams. It's four more than Jordy Nelson. So uh, I feel like one of those uh, targets, one of these days, I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to wind up in the end zone. And I think it, this week um, he's a guy that's going to be low-owned because I think most people are going to be jumping uh, all over this Farron Jenkins or, or some of these lower 5,000 ones and kind of forgetting about Martellus. But I think Martellus has a nice week too. All right, let's talk about defenses. You got Seattle top of the board against the Rams, which I don't understand at all. That no. pricing is there. Uh, Jared is, Goff, man. Like, Jared Goff. Doing, I mean, hello. <laughs> Have you seen how blonde his hair is? My God, <laughs> stunning. Uh, the Chiefs against Houston, that's another one where I don't, I don't – the top defenses is not where you want to live this week. I'm just telling you right now, you don't want to live there. The uh, Detroit Lions is a sneaky one to 47 if you do want to pay up. I think that's the one I'd pay up for because I don't trust Cam Newton. Uh, let's go down the board because I think that's where we're going to find some difference makers in terms of defense. Now, if EJ Manuel is playing, Baltimore, I think, is in play at 45. If um, you continue to go down there, I'll say this. You can make a case for the Cleveland Browns. You can make a case for the Jets. <laughs> I, I don't know which one you want to make a better case for, but they're both priced exactly the same. I don't know. I, I think I would lean the Jets because I go back to the turnover ratio over and over. You know, the turnover yeah. ratio where I see them and I go, uh, you know what, uh, give me the Jets for the turnovers and I think I'll be okay. Yeah, I, I, th- I think that's right. I think, that, yeah, they're, they're better set up for the turnovers. And then, like, like you said earlier, Kaiser really having the rookie struggles as far as protecting the ball. Um, so you got to imagine that that's two picks for the Jets right, you know, right there. Um, I imagine the Browns are probably going to have a little bit more uh, reliable production as far as like getting after the quarterback, getting you like those sack points. Um, but I think that there's a, there's a higher chance of getting like a pick six uh, from that Jets defense. Now the Texans are also pretty low down as well. And after that first 
you know, a game where they got their doors blown off. Mm-hmm. They've been pretty decent. They've been nine and above. You know, they had a big output, obviously, last week against Tennessee. That's another one I think you can absolutely get behind if you want to punt. 43 is where you want to live. And if you want to try different lineups with different ones, you want to put the Texans in one, put the Browns in one, put the Jets in one, That that's fine. I, I would play around that way. There was a part of me with Mariota potentially being out that was wondering against the Dolphins, well, they're finally at home where they're supposed to play, if that's worth going. But I don't know. I just don't trust the Dolphins that's right when, now. That's when you know you've reached the end of your prep for the week when it's like, is the Dolphins D in play? It's like, well, okay, maybe it's I need to go sit down. the top down. defenses I hate. Like <laughs> yes. all the ones that are their price, the matchups are weird or the price is too much. So 43 is one you want to live with, with – uh, with D this week. In my I got, opinion. I got one 4,600 for you. I do love those 4,300 calls. Um, but I think Buffalo going to Cincinnati also, yeah, uh, sneakily. I mean, that's an impressive, uh, team right now is at least uh, defensively uh, they went into Atlanta last week and, and kind of shut everything down um, and I think that Cincinnati even with like the new offensive coordinator and last week's performance you got to take it with a grain of salt because it was against Cleveland um, I think that the Bills uh, are are probably the toughest defense that Cincinnati has will have faced to this point um, and I, I could see the Dalton regression here I'm probably not going after an AJ Green um, I'm kind of worried about using my Cincinnati players in season long because I think this Buffalo's defense is legit. The Dalton regression sounds like a Big Bang Theory episode name. Just want <laughs> to point does, that. Yeah, <laughs> the Dalton regression. You know, they're all like that. The Einstein approximation or something like they're all. They all have weird. Uh, <laughs> young Sheldon. Yeah. <laughs> young Sheldon. Yeah. All right. So let's get to the bonus. So far, it's uh, three to one on the season. We're in uh, week five here. So uh, you got to get uh, got to get back on the board a little bit here. The question of the week is um, actually no, it's it's two to one. One was a tie. We both said the same thing, so that really okay. doesn't count. We throw that. Out. I don't like when we agree. It's no fun. So Aaron <laughs> Rodgers will be the highest scoring quarterback of the week. Bonus question: Yes or no, John McKechnie? Oh yeah, give me the yes. Give me the yes on that. I'm one. gonna take the no. Yeah. And you're gonna take the L too. Ugh. I might. I might. I love this smack <laughs> talk. It's great. All right. You can follow him on Twitter at Johnny McKex. You can follow me at Joe Pizapia17. I wish this could go on forever because that's how much fun we're having. We hope you enjoyed the show. Oh, For yeah. everybody here at Rotowire, have a great weekend of Daily Fantasy. Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? I'm Kat, founder of Ritual. We're making traceability the new standard for the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I couldn't find a multivitamin I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested, and clean label project certified. Oh, and our vitamin D3? It comes from sustainably harvested lichen from England, not sheep. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast.